Happy Monday afternoon to the Pro Farmer members out there, and happy Tuesday to those listening on AgWeb.com and on the AgriTalk app. This is the Crop Tour Podcast. No, we're not out on the road, but with the way that this crop has been developing this year, we decided that the Crop Tour Podcast is probably something that we need to start up a little bit early and get out there in advance of it. And if it's the Crop Tour Podcast, you guys know who we've got with us. We've got the leader and the director of the tour. The leader from the Eastern Leg is Brian Grady. Brian, how are you? Excellent, Chip. Excellent. Good. Couldn't be better. Good deal. And the leader and director of the Western Leg of the Tour, Pro Farmer Senior Market Analyst Jeff Wilson. Jeff, good talk with you. Good to talk to you again, Chip. All right. So here's what we're doing here, guys, with this Crop Tour podcast. First off, we're going to discuss Monday afternoon crop progress, crop condition reports. And, you know, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on these because what I really want to do is get to what is actually happening out there in the field. There. That's my commentary on what I think about some of the crop condition reports that we get from USDA. Secondly, we're going to be adding some perspective from what we are hearing across the countryside. We, we might even, we might even from time to time get us, uh, some of the regular scouts from the western and the eastern leg of the tour out here in, 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 get them on the podcast so that we can hear directly from them. And then thirdly, we are going to answer some questions that we are hearing about the, uh, about the crop tour, uh, in advance of getting out there on the road so that we can clear up some of the, some of the issues. So we're going to do this weekly leading up to the week of crop tour and then the week of crop tour. Of course, you're going to get four consecutive nights of the podcast with the details of what the scouts are discovering on the tour. And then at that point, Beach will decide if we want to keep it going after that or not. Okay. All righty. Sounds All like right. a plan. Yeah. Now at the start, I said happy Monday afternoon to Pro Farmer members, and that is because on Monday afternoons it's going to be available on ProFarmer.com only for Pro Farmer members. Tuesday afternoons, this podcast will be available on AgWeb.com and on the AgriTalk app. Um, and like I said, you know, starting next week, we may start to get some of the regular scouts from Crop Tour to come on the podcast and talk about the conditions that they're dealing with. As of right now, we got the crop progress and condition report from USDA. Um, got the update today. Brian, do you see anything in here that really kind of makes you go, hmm? Nope. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not sure it really matters. And, you know, it's debatable on any given year whether the crop conditions really mean anything to what the final yield will be anyway. Um, right. You know, there's some correlation. But in a year like this, I, I think that you can pretty much throw it out the uh, the window. And, and, you know, we get the updates on a week-to-week basis. The markets still trade them. Uh, so, therefore, it matters yeah. from a price perspective. But from, a, you know, what this means to the crop, I I don't think it, it matters a whole lot, to be honest with you. Jeff, how'd you like to be building a yield model based off crop condition reports this year? <laughs> it's always difficult every year. Yeah. You got to go with whatever the trend is for each, I think for some of the big states as well as the overall number. So, uh, you know, I think the trend in these condition reports each week is probably just as important as what the actual numbers are 
and then relative to what the trade was looking for. Right, right. Yeah, so if we're going to be talking about trends, you go back to the uh, June 30th, This or the, the, the report as of June 30th, we had 94% of the U.S. corn crop emerged this week, 98%. There's still some corn in Illinois, Indiana, um, Michigan, a little bit in Missouri. You get into Ohio, Pennsylvania. Ohio's still at 92% emerge. So, obviously, Jeff, the problem all season long has been over in the Eastern Belt, and that's where it continues to be. That's correct. I, I guess I'm most surprised at how fast the Illinois crop fell the last few weeks. I mean, it it's the one that's down another five percentage points in the good to excellent uh, ratings this week. It's, you know, that's that's a big drop for Illinois. And, uh, you know, all the other one states you mentioned, they're all down big, too. Well, that's not true. I think Ohio is up, up, you know, but it's coming from a very low number to begin with. Illinois is coming down to where Ohio was. So yeah. I guess that's my takeaway from that situation on the corn. Yeah, and that's that's on the crop condition report. On the progress report, I think, Brian, the one number that kind of jumped out at me, I guess, no, it's not just one number. I mean, you've got Illinois at 4% silking versus an average of 41%. Indiana, 1% versus 22%. Iowa, where, you know, we've been talking about if you're if you're going to be looking for, quote-unquote, the garden spot, there's northeast Iowa, there's western Iowa, there's some areas in between where things really look pretty good. But as of July 7, we still just got 1% of the crop silking, and that compares to a five-year average of 14%. So even where it's good, it's still late, isn't it? Yeah, extremely late. I mean, uh, we're going to be looking at the end of the growing season and need another, you know, what, four weeks or so probably on the end just to, to get the crop to maturity. Uh, not the case in, in every area, but, you know, on average, I think that we're probably looking at an extra month that we're going to need. Um, yeah, you look at those silking numbers, and it's it's kind of startling, uh, 8% versus 22% for the five-year average. But then, you, you know, even taking it back a step, we're, you know, you asked about the emergence, and it's only 98% nationally yeah. versus, I mean, we should have 100% of the crop up and growing at this point in time, and we're not there yet. Why? It's only July 8th. Oh, yeah, it's only, you know, normally we I would be sitting here in my office looking outside trying to determine how hot it is and whether I can see heat waves coming off uh, the buildings and, and pavement yeah. and wondering about whether the, the corn is going to, you know, burn up or not. And this year you're you're actually kind of cheering for some heat as long as we get timely rains along with it because you you need that to try to catch up now. So um, you know we've we've said it for years that uh, the recipe for big yields is to to get the crop uh, um, speed it along early and then slow cook it late. Um, this year you know obviously we're way behind here early. Now we need to speed the thing up all the way to the finish line and and uh, there are going to be some obvious struggles this year because of that. Yeah, you know, I, I get that, and and just, you know, it's Monday afternoon, just got off the phone with Michael Clark and Kirk Hands at BAM WX, and we were talking about the risk of a, you, you got to ask the question, and the reason I'm asking the question is because of what you just described, Brian, the, the late development of this corn crop. So I asked, how is how does it look for the first normal or the normal first frost date, are we going to be added ahead of it, behind it? What, what's it look like? And I, they're concerned because of um, a low in the sunspot activity, because of the weather patterns, because of some of the 
some some of of comparisons to past years, analog years, and and how the the growing season has ended. I mean, they're they were basically talking normal first frost, or even a few days early, is is what we should probably be expecting this year. And on a crop like this, Jeff, on a crop like this. Uh, a, a frost on your normal first frost date is going to hurt you. And potentially in a big way. Yeah. So I, the market's going to have to take that into account for the next eight, ten weeks. It's just, you don't know. So there should be a decent floor underneath things here. And, you know, every week you're just going to keep watching that crop progress, see how far along, you know, when is it pollinate? You know, we still have. Yeah. The way the crop was planted, it's all spread out the pollination. It's going to, you know, there's certain parts of the crop where, you know, we could get some, you know, heat next week, and that's going to hurt some of the early planted. And then it's going to be another four weeks before, <laughs> before another big chunk is, yeah. is at risk from pollination uh, heat. Right. Right. Okay. Let's jump over to that condition report. Beach, uh Ohio, 34%. Good to excellent. Looks like 23% poor to very poor. Indiana, you're looking at 38%. Good to excellent. 32, uh, excuse me, 22% poor to very poor. In Illinois, 37%. Jeff referenced that. 37% good to excellent. You're looking at that 22% poor to very poor. Iowa, I'm going to leave out of the mix because we share that with the western side. But your eastern side is in tough shape, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, thanks for pointing out the rough areas are all on my <laughs> side. Uh, not <laughs> South Dakota withstanding, I understand yep. that. Uh, but, it, boy, it's rough out there in, in the eastern Corn Belt. And, and, you know, we're not talking about uh, low production states. We're talking about Illinois, Indiana, you know, both of them yeah. uh, top five, uh, Ohio, um, you know, it's a little bit down the list there, but uh, not much. And, and uh, uh, there's a lot of corn produced in the eastern corn belt, obviously, and, and uh, not in very What's good shape your gut? at the moment. What is your gut? I mean, is that eastern belt on the edge of catastrophe? Uh, I'm hesitant to say catastrophe, but uh, it's stunted. There's there's no doubt that it's it's a problem area, um, and it's it's broad. Uh, you know, I've talked to guys that have traveled through uh, the Eastern Corn Belt, and, and uh, they're in amazement, uh, especially that northern route along Interstate 80. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just doesn't look good at all. Uh, lots of holes, lots of fields that were unplanted. Um, stuff that's you know very short right now and and it's just really hard to put your your thumb on where the crop is or where it's going to end up because there's so many unknown variables that we normally you wouldn't have at this time right right we're going to talk about some of those variables here in, in just a little bit too okay now let's jump over to the western belt south dakota you know, as tough as it is in South Dakota, you still got 62% of the crop rated good to excellent. Um, we're just looking at 4% rated poor to very poor. And I think that's because, you know, there's so much prevent plant in some of those areas up there. But, geez, <laughs> Jeff. You better believe it because a, a field that uh, isn't planted yeah. uh, and full of weeds at the moment uh, isn't rated in, in USDA's right. system. Right, right. 
So, I mean, there are guys up there that are used to run it. Well, that that run a pivot every year, and they just those those pivot irrigated fields are sitting empty. Well, they're not empty. They're full of uh, they're full of weeds right now. But uh, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And and so, what is up and growing in South Dakota really looks to be pretty good. But Jeff, Nebraska, seventy six percent. <laughs> good to excellent you've only got four percent poor none very poor let's jump over into iowa where you've got 61 percent good to excellent you got 10 percent poor to very poor minnesota you're looking at 60 percent good to excellent and just eight percent poor to very poor it's behind in the west it's not as behind as it is in the east but boy it, i mean if conditions hold on Jeff, we're going to be looking at a pretty good crop out west. Well, those crops still have a long way to go, too. I mean, even you talk to people last week, and they say, oh, this heat, man, these crops are growing like weeds now, heat and humidity. Oh, my God. And then I talked to a guy today, and he said, all of a sudden, it seemed to kind of slow, and it turned a little bit yellow. I don't really like that. That was a guy in Minnesota. So I don't know know how, 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 how widespread that is. But I mean, these these crop ratings they're they're slightly below the five year averages. They're below last year, so they're not going to be what oh. we've seen the last few years. We we got to say that right off the top. How much below is the next question? And if we're going to have a, you know a, an early freeze, guess what? It usually gets hit first those areas: yeah. Yeah. South Dakota, Minnesota, North Dakota, uh, you know, Nebraska, Northern Iowa. So. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it still has a long way to go before you can say we're still going to have a you know a decent crop. We don't, we we don't many, know too many variables. There's way too many variables. Say anything. Yep. Yep. All right. Let Let's jump over to soybeans. Ninety six percent planted as of July seven. That was up five points from the week before. There's still some double crop beans for the most part to be planted out there. But then you go over to the emerge numbers. Nationally, you're looking at 90% emerged versus a five-year average of 98%. Uh, blooming, and I don't understand these numbers. I mean, I don't understand this in a good year because, <laughs> you know, blooming is triggered when the day when when nighttime starts getting shorter. I'm sorry, longer. Jeez, when nighttime starts getting longer, you start blooming these beans. Now, there's a few days lag, but. Our nighttime is getting longer now, and our days are getting shorter. Some of the most of these damn beans, guys, emerged after after the longest day of the year. How I have no idea what that means for this crop. I, you got to go all the way back to 1996, I think, to 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 revisit a year where the emergence was similar. You know what? I've got to go back and look at that to make sure on on that, but. Boy, this is this is really something with a slow development, and I mean, beige in the eastern belt. Aren't you going to be going through some pretty miserable looking bean fields come August, the third week of August? Once again, thanks for reminding me, Chip. But you're uh, welcome. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to be different than uh, than what a normal year would be. Obviously, um, you know, recently here we've had tall, lush beans. Uh, heavily potted um, you know we're going to see because of the immature crop uh, you know we're going to see a lot of fields that probably still have flowers in them and or they should if they don't uh, then we've got issues real there problems too. 
Right. Then, then the issues go well beyond with the, you know what we're talking about right now. But uh, uh, it, it's just uh, normally you don't get all that concerned about uh, the development of, of the soybean crop because it kind of happens. Uh, this year, there's a stark, you know, I, I think yeah. um, glaring, you know, just caution about uh, what's out there and, and what could happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jeff, back in 1996, and and guys that listen to AgriTalk have heard me say tell this story a couple of times already, but back in 1996, uh third week of august we were going through that eastern belt ohio indiana in particular and we saw a lot of plants that had one or two pods and two or three blooms on them in the in the third week of august and we're thinking to ourselves this is a disaster so when i got over to lafayette and purdue university gave a call out to uh dr ellsworth christmas and got dr christmas over to talk to the group and say okay assess the risk that we are looking at with this bean crop and uh, uh, he stood up there in front of the group and said, you know what? They can still make 35 bushels. And everybody lost their damn mind. It, it, it was amazing to me. Everybody lost their mind and said, there's no way. There's no way. And he says, no way. We need to put a couple extra weeks on the end of the growing season, let this crop finish up. But it can still do it. Well, surprise, surprise, it didn't frost until, like, Thanksgiving. And those beans made 35 bushel over there. Uh, Nobody wants to run that risk of having to make it to Thanksgiving without a frost on that eastern belt or on the western belt crop um, to, for for it to make a a decent yield this year. Do they? Not at all. I mean, even even in the west, they're way behind in terms of blooming, yeah. and they were planted a little bit earlier. It's still they're, you know. Um, uh, well, let's see. Nebraska is only ten percent. That's equal with the national average, and nor- and last year they were forty-eight. So, you know, they're still way behind. Uh, uh, Minnesota three versus twenty-nine a year ago, twenty-eight on average. Those are pretty. Yeah, you know, I, I would pay more attention to there. the average than than year ago. I mean, let's yeah. keep keep in mind right. last year was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right, but boy, it's uh, this blooming. When you're looking at two percent in Illinois versus thirty-four percent on average, one in Indiana versus thirty-two on average. Iowa's at seven versus thirty, and then the nation ten percent versus thirty-two percent on average. I mean, this thing is really struggling. Let's start in the West this time on conditions. Going to South Dakota, we've got fifty-two percent of the bean crop rated uh, good to excellent 43 percent fair you know it's not very often that you see that fair number up there with the good to excellent but we do see it in south dakota you got five percent in south dakota rated poor to very poor uh down into nebraska wow 73 percent of the crop rated good to excellent just four percent rated poor to very poor iowa we're looking at 64 percent of the crop rated good to excellent seven percent poor to very poor Minnesota, we're looking at 61% good to excellent, 7% poor to very poor. You noticing any trends there, Jeff? Uh, the trends I see is it looks like they they did have some improvement this past week, but, I mean, it's not enough to offset some of the declines and some of the – I mean, Nebraska was down, South Dakota was down, Minnesota was down, so it, 
there's some, there was some improvement in some of the other states, but I guess the biggest surprise for me in, in this week's report was that the crop conditions actually declined one percentage point from yeah. a week ago. You know, last week we were thinking it was going to go up a point. It didn't change at all. And I thought maybe this week we'd see maybe as much as a 2% uh, gain or 2 percentage point gain just because we kind of might have caught up because we saw these yeah. crops start to enjoy some heat and yeah. they started to grow. And you could see these small plants start to become <laughs> something that was more significant than just maybe a little weed out there. So it was, it was to me, a, a really a big surprise that the conditions went down this week. And, you know, the conditions went down in areas that probably should have seen some better yeah. improvement. I mean, Illinois is the biggest one that declined this past week. Wow. Oh, I'll take that back. North Carolina. North wow. Carolina Oof. down eight. Wow. Okay. Well, let's jump over to the Eastern Belt. Okay, Brian, some really impressive numbers here. You got 28% of the Ohio being crop rated good to excellent. You got 27% of the Ohio being crop rated poor to very poor. In Indiana, you're looking at 37% of the crop rated good to excellent, 22% of the crop rated poor to very poor. Illinois is at 30, uh, 38% good to excellent, and you're looking at uh, 24% poor to very poor. There's some tough conditions over there in the eastern belt again. Yeah, you're uh, you're not hard to impress if you think that's impressive, Chip. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, it, it's rough, uh, only because I can't say other words on the air. But uh, I mean, this is uh, it, it's a rough go of it over there, obviously. And you know, the, you can break down any of the numbers. Uh, whether it was planting progress all the way through emergence, uh, now your conditions. Uh, I mean, it's just it's it, showing i mean it's mm -hmm. those guys had to struggle and and uh continue to struggle and and um here we are we have crops trying to play catch up but uh you know at, at the most they're treading water at the moment based on the conditions yep. yep all right that's this week's report we're gonna recap that again for you next week but right now i want to answer some of the crop tour questions that i've been hearing and i know these are really going to catch you by surprise guys um but uh, with the planting progress as slow as it was and the crop development as slow as it was, uh, the, 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 the chatter out on Twitter was, well, pro farmers got to move the crop tour back a couple of weeks if they're going to get anything worth doing. So tell me, Brian, are you moving the dates of the crop tour? Absolutely not. Uh, we will be out in, in the fields. The uh, you know third, what you said something about being on, you, you said something about being on the air and you can't say that. Well, I'm going to remind everybody that this is a podcast, and I'm going to say FFS. No, <laughs> we're not moving the dates. Yep, cannot I, do that. Uh, no third third full week in August. Uh, we're out there every year, uh, no matter what the situation is. I mean, if it's a 2012 where the, the crop was, we're following combines through the field, it, that's that's the situation. If it's like this year, um, you know, we're going to be measuring a very immature crop. It's still, it is what it is. We do the method methodology and the process the same every single year. And uh, it just makes our job that much more challenging uh, in those years like this. Yeah. But the thing is, we've got some experience in dealing with conditions like this. This widespread? No. But dealing with conditions like this in areas? Absolutely. There's been times where you've been in an uh, in Ohio cornfield, Brian, and the pollen's flying. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, Ohio's one of those states that's kind of generally it's hit and miss on any given year, and, and the hits are really good and the, the misses are really poor. And, and uh, this year, obviously, uh, it's going to be a miss year for them. Uh, for most guys, uh, I'm sure there are some exceptions, and, and we'll find those. But uh, yeah. uh, if we happen to land randomly, um, you know, and, and that's another one. It, we hear all the time, oh, you're only out there picking the good fields or you're only picking the bad fields. Yeah. Nope, it's it's 100% random. And, and then we go randomly um, within a field. So we don't know, honestly, when you start in the field where you're going to end up. Uh, you go in your past your end rows and then 35 more paces. And, and it may be a lush area. It may be a complete drown out. And, and those all get factored in. Um, mm-hmm. If we're in the only drown out spot in a field, it's going to be recorded as a zero in that field, even though that isn't necessarily what the rest of the field looks like. If we happen to hit a lush area and a field that's full of holes, uh, it's it's going to be recorded as the number that we, we pull out of there, even though it may not be uh, fully representative of that field. And that's why at the end of the week, we've always said it, but uh, the average of all close to 1,400 samples that we pull is the best number that we have. Right, right. That that is so that that is so right, and you know I'll tell you, there's been years where I've been really frustrated out there on tour because you walk up to a cornfield, you think to yourself, finally this is going to be a decent yield, something that we can really get into, and you you get past the end rows, you go your 35 paces, and as you're getting to to step 20 or pace 20, you're looking out in front of you, and things are starting to lighten up. By the time you're to 25 you're realizing that it gets a whole lot thinner up there than what you were hoping for. By the time you're to the 30th pace, you realize that you're walking into nothing but crap. Yep. And, and it, ha- you do, it happens. You do that time after time, and it gets frustrating, but you got to stick with the, with the process. I mean, That's it, right. You don't get to pick or choose the good spots yep. and the bad spots. You don't get to pick or choose the, the good fields and the bad fields. It's, it's the randomness of the process, and, and that's what gives us the best data uh, coming out at the end Jeff, of the week. Jeff, last year was the first year that you led the tour, but you've been on many tours. I'm not even sure how many as a as a reporter for Futures World News for for Bloomberg. Uh, you you've paid close attention to this thing for longer than what I have. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, and and it it so is by, about by the process. Yeah, it is totally about the process because I can tell you multiple times where. All day long, I'm looking at really good crops. And then yep. you get all the evening numbers. And it's like, who saw that? Wait yeah. a minute. This is like way below it. Or, you know, conversely, all day long, you're looking at just garbage crops. You're like, this is a big story coming here, you know, especially yep. if it's like the first day out. It's like, oh. And then it's like, you get the numbers <laughs> and I go, oh, man, that story's not going to be any good now. You know, you right. got all the quotes from the guys in your car. And then you got, Oh, I guess we better go find some people that saw some good crops. So it is about this process, and it is about each one of those fields. You got to consider it's just one part of a bigger United States field, and that's yep. the greatest thing about the tour. Absolutely, absolutely, guys. We got time for one other question, and I want to ask you, Brian, because I mean, <laughs> it just keeps coming up. How is the tour going to adjust for all the prevent plant acres out there? Well, first off, uh, we will not sample a field that hasn't been planted because it's not considered uh, a planted field in in USDA's eyes. Well, then you Uh, can't get the number right when you put all your numbers together if you don't consider your prevent plant. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do consider it. Um, the the acreage number, the harvested acreage number, and, you know, I'm still baffled that everybody's all worried about planted acres because ultimately it's harvested acres. But, uh, yep. um, you know, I guess you have to plant them before you can harvest them. That's would right. would be the argument. They just don't take it that, that far with their their thought process right. but uh the the harvested acreage uh is taken into account we also take into account uh, uh all the areas outside of crop tour that we sample uh weather how we think the crop will finish uh, there's a multitude of factors that come into play now that isn't crop tour data crop tour data is into the field right gather your data that's what's released throughout the week for each state Pro farmer estimates take into account the crop tour data and all those other factors that I just mentioned, and then we come up with our estimate. So, right. uh, you know, I don't think the risk this year is as great with the uh, the crop tour data because it, it is what it is. It's a process. You go gather the data, you add it all up, and, and average it out, and, and you get a state number. Um, we know how much historically we've missed uh, each state by. Um, right over over the course of the years. Uh, well, and the thing the, is, everybody else knows too because we tell them. Yeah, they should know, um, you know, if they want to pay attention. Uh, But, you know, really the the pro farmer estimate at the end of the week is the one that has the greatest risk because, uh, you know, we're sticking our necks out there uh, by making the estimate and and all the other stuff. And and, uh, um, I I guess that, you know, the the process is what it is. And and do we take into account the prevented plant acres? Absolutely, 100%. you know, we're, we're trying the best that we can, along with everybody else, to factor that in, um, you know, and, and it will come into play. Uh, we'll adjust our acreage down. Yep. It's not going to, yep. you know, I mean, it's already been adjusted down before we go on tour. But before we release that estimate, it'll be scrutinized, you know, with a fine-tooth comb. We'll go through yep. it. Yep. All right. Host at agritalk.com. If you've got any questions for me, for Jeff, or for Brian about the crop tour and about crop conditions, send it to host at agritalk.com. You can also tag me in a tweet. It's at Chip Flory. Uh, your Twitter handle, Beej? At B Grady. B G R E T E. And Jeff Wilson? J Wilson 29. J Wilson 29. All right. So you can direct message us any questions, but the easiest way to get questions about the crop tour to Jeff, me, and Brian is host at agritalk.com. We're going to be back next week. We'll take a look at the crop condition report. We'll answer some more of your questions about how we're going to be handling the 2019 crop tour. And of course, we're going to make some contact with some of the scouts that typically come along with us. And we'll get a crop condition report and crop progress report directly from the field next week right here on your Crop Tour 2019 podcast.